you. Let's uh, let's get right to it. Page uh, 34 is where we're, we are uh, picking up. Uh, a few weeks ago, we were on uh, understanding the supernatural and the natural, and uh, took all all of that time pretty much to go over that. It was a very good time uh, and good study. The next three weeks, we're going to try to and finish this up and uh, cover about nine um, quick little things uh, that we've got to cover, the last nine uh, principles. And again, these principles are not the only things, uh, but they're the major things. They're the things that when you look at the Word of God, um, you need to have these things in mind. The very first of which is what? Anybody remember? Our very first principle? Yeah, context. Always context. Uh, if you don't have the context right, everything's a mess. And everything else, as we've seen, helps you to fix the context, fix what's really going on. And this allows you, as a believer, as a, as a, a Bible-believing, blood-washed Christian, to get into the Word of God and not only uh, learn and grow and let the Lord build you up, but also to keep others that would come in and twist, rest, as the Bible says, uh, rest the scriptures from you or uh, turn you uh, because you don't understand what's going on. That's what this allows all of us to be able to do is to see uh, who God is, how he thinks, how he works, and what he expects, okay? What he's going to do, what he has done, all those things working together. So um, let's uh, jump into it quick here. Uh, by going to Second Peter chapter two, if you have your Bibles here and at home, open up to Second Peter chapter two. The uh, first principle that we're going to look at this evening is called the principle of understanding interpretation. Extremely important, and these are kind of like um, in Proverbs. You know, in Proverbs, you get everything kind of I call it machine gun staccato. It's boom, 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 boom. Every verse, you know, uh, has a three round burst in it or more, and uh, that's how these are. It's just Boom, boom, boom. We've got about nine of them to cover. We've actually alluded to or even talked about several of them already as we've gone. And as with anything with the Word of God, it builds upon itself. It's actually woven together perfectly. Uh, here's the principle on understanding interpretation, okay? The Bible, as we're going to see here, is of what kind of interpretation? Anybody know? No private interpretation. That is exactly right. Look here in Second Peter chapter two and verse ten. Um, uh, I'm sorry, Second Peter chapter one. I'm, I'm out of sorts here. Second Peter chapter one and verse twenty. Um, and, and what's going on here uh, is where they're talking about what happened in Matthew chapter seventeen, where Peter, James, and John went up on the mount with with uh, the Lord, and uh, there saw. Um, his trans, uh, transfiguration and Moses and, and Elijah, and they're like, oh, my gosh, and heard the voice of God himself uh, there. And so that's what they're talking. That's what Peter is, is addressing right here and reminding them of some things. And, and what we want to look at in particular on this one, we've used, we've used this reference, this passage a few times, is in verse 20. Verse 20 says, knowing this first, okay, so... When you get in the Word of God, and you're trying to make sure you got the context and what people group is being talked to and, and the different uh, applications and everything. Know this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private 
interpretation. You know what that means? That means I don't have a right, you don't have a right, Dr. So-and-so or TV evangelist so-and-so has no right to privately interpret the Word of God or, or any church organization or entity to say, okay, I know that's, it looks like this, but let me tell you what it really means. No, what, the Bible is not privately interpreted. You know why? Who wrote the Bible? God. That's right, Holy Spirit of God. So who's the only one qualified to address that? God. That's right. That's exactly right. We're going we're gonna to see how that works here tonight. Um, if we're going to really understand interpretation, how it works, we have to allow the Bible to interpret itself. If you want to know the, hey, Bobby, why did you write this like this? Am I going to go over here and ask one of you guys? Or am I going to say, Bobby, what? what? <laughs> that only makes sense. And that's the way this works in a nutshell, okay? Because the minute you don't go to the author, you, you're, it is impossible to get what the author actually meant, okay? You're not getting it straight from the horse's mouth, as it were. The, the key uh, in the, the, to this thing is the fact that the credibility of the Bible is revealed within itself, okay? You don't have to try to make it say something. We're going to address that here uh, maybe tonight uh, or, or next week. Uh, number one, uh, and this is A1. I, I know you guys are doing this up here, and I appreciate that. The Bible proves itself when we compare spiritual with spiritual. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28, and there's a passage here about 9 through 13. We're going to look at 10 in particular. It's repeated once in, in the passage. But it gives you the biblical uh, pattern uh, of how to approach the Scripture when it comes to interpretation. Because you go to a Bible study or you listen to this or that, and somebody, you'll, you'll get one or two things. You'll get um, where they say, well, um, what do you think this means? Or, what do you think this means? Or, what do you think this means? And it sounds really good. They're like, you know, these are all valid things, and, and, and what you think matters, Okay. And what you think matters. And, and I, I'm going to be very honest with you. I love you. But what you and I think does not matter. How you and I think is the problem. So when people do that, it sounds so nice. And, you know, well, you know, you don't want to invalidate the person. It's not about validating the person, you and me and others, humans. It's about the validity of this, your Bible, God's word. Because if it's not valid, then what are we doing? Okay? So I, I, it doesn't matter what I think or you think. What matters is what does God think about this? Let's get it from him. And so we get the pattern for this right here in Isaiah. We'll pick it up in verse 9. There's a paragraph marker there, Isaiah 28, starting in verse 9. We won't read all the way down through 13. But uh, look at this. Whom shall he teach knowledge? Question. And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Question, them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. Now, now look at me real quick. Is there anything wrong with getting, you know, uh, a child being breastfed? No, that's, that's the healthiest thing that you can do for that child. Uh, is, is milk not a good thing? It is a good thing. But here's the, it's, it's what gets a child, keeps a child healthy. But if you want to understand, as he said there, knowledge and doctrine then you're going to need more than the milk, right? 
You're going to need some strong meat. You're going to need some proteins. You're going to need something heartier, okay? And so he says in verse 10, here's, here's again, answering this, the questions, okay? Verse 10, for precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Then you got that semicolon. Okay, here's the next thing then. What goes with it? Line upon line, comma. Line upon line, another uh, semicolon. Here a little and there a little. Okay, so it's real simple, just like he says. I don't have to try to interpret the Bible, which is good because I'm not qualified, and neither is any other human. So what I want to do is I want to take this precept of God and look at another one that looks like it, and another one, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there, wherever that comes, and put it together, okay? And what, the, what is the story it tells, okay? Let me give you an example of how this might work. Um, the NTSB, National Transportation Safety Board, anytime there's an airplane crash, wreck, helicopter, any of that, these are the people that come in. You know who these guys are? They are like mega super detectives, okay? A bunch of monks. Anybody ever watch Monk? Okay, I loved Monk. I, I'm a little bit like Lisa. My, my wife, you guys, a lot of you know her. Lisa's like, oh, yeah, that's Mark right there. I, I have those little things about me. You know, things have to be just in order and just right. But that's how these guys are. And when they go out to a crash site, Man, they, they mark everything off. We've all seen the yellow tape and all that kind of stuff. But they go through like an archaeologist, and they look at every square inch. And they take every single thing, and then they will take it into a warehouse somewhere close, sometimes right there you know, in the field for a certain amount, but then on to another site, and they will put everything that is alike together. Everything that they can say, okay, well, this is a wire that comes from, is in the cockpit. Well, here's another wire. That must go, no, no, no. That goes with the wires, but it goes with the wires that's to the microwave back there in the galley. I mean, these guys know everything about every little thing there. And they take all of it, and they bring it all in, and they put it all in its place, and they walk through, and by the time they're done, it tells the story. They don't try to say, well, it looks like, you know, they said, we don't know. It'll tell us. And it does. These guys are, like, phenomenal. They are, I mean, you should read about them sometime. What they do is amazing. Well, that's, why, that's what you and I need to be, detectives. When you come to the Word of God, you need to come to, to you know, don't get me wrong here, but, you know, we get this whole thing of, I'm just going to get in there and get some encouragement and feel good and, you know, I grew up in the 60s. Some of you did too, man. That, that sounds like a hippie feel-good time, right? Sounds good. The reality is not so good, okay? We need truth. We need to know what is going on, what, what's happening here. Because let's be honest, there's a lot of things in the Word of God. When you read it, you're like, what the heck is going on there, right? Let's be honest about this. You know, in, in Proverbs, one of the things he says, you know, that the purpose is, of Proverbs is to tell you about the dark things, about the things that, about life that are a mess, that are dark, okay? So when it comes to the Word of God, we use the Bible, all right, to interpret itself. 
Because the Bible is whose mind? God's mind. Not my mind, clearly, <laughs> or yours. So we go line upon line. We take it, we bring it together. You know, here's something we do sometimes that can be a little misleading. We'll open up our Strong's Concordance. We'll say, okay, let me look this up. And, oh, this is what it means. Because that's what it means in Greek or Aramaic or, or, or Hebrew or whatever. That's not necessary. That means that's where it came from. But words are defined by what? The way they're used. I mean, we, we use words, the same words uh, today that have been used, let's say, over Lord knows how long. But what, uh, what one word once meant, it doesn't mean anymore. Like somebody goes, oh, killer. And she's like, it wasn't me, yeah, right? No, it means that's really cool, right? So how a word is used is important. So if I, wanna, if I see a word or a phrase or something and I don't understand, what, what does that mean exactly? You know, a lot of times people will grab a dictionary. Dictionary is written by men, guys, not by God. And you ought to have a Noah's Webster, Noah Webster's Dictionary. That's a great tool. What, 1858? 28. 28, thank you. 1828 version. It's really good. This guy was saved, loved the Lord, studied his word. There's a lot of, it's, that's, a, that's a, a real nice thing to use. But what I want to know is how did God use it? How did he define this? What, what does he mean when he uses this word? So that means I got to go into my concordance or your Bible app or what they call that uh, dictionary, but and and uh, eSword, I guess is what I'm trying. Things like that, Wh whatever you use, that's fine. But go in there, find out how many times that thing was was used. Now sometimes, and see, this is this is where I'm just going to be honest, guys, where we get lazy. Oh, my gosh, there's 180 references here. I'll never get through them. Not if you don't start. Right? How many, I, you know, I'm not, but, you know, people count their steps and wear a Fitbit or whatever that's called and count their steps. You can count 10,000 steps, but you can't go look up 180 references because that's too much. Really? I wonder how many steps the Lord took with the cross on his back. Because numbers make me think. Doesn't seem like so many then, does it? Because then if I take all those and I look at, okay, how was it used here? How's it used here? And what was the context of it? What's going on? Now I get to see a picture and it tells me the story instead of me trying to interpret it when I'm not qualified. And neither are you. Let's look at one other thing about that. Uh, and that's point B. The Bible's author is the Bible's teacher. That's what we've been talking about here tonight, right? The Bible's author, God, Holy Spirit of God, is its teacher. So uh, come over to John chapter, uh, actually go to Psalms 119 and verse 18 first. Go there first, please. Psalms 119, one of my favorite chapters. I'm sure it's many of yours too. You could spend forever in here. In fact, I remember Brian several years ago taking, I don't know how long, months. How long did you get, take to go through Psalms 119, brother? <laughs> I can believe it because I'm telling you, you can spend a year in here and still not exhaust it, not even get close. 
It's an amazing chapter. Uh, but look here in the uh, third stanza in verse 18. He says, Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Now that's what you want to do. You want to go to the author, God, and, and let me just say this, and, and I'm guilty of this. I have to remind myself of this, and I'll catch myself and I stop. If you just open up your Bible and start reading, that is spiritually rude, number one. Now, I'm going to be careful here, but, but foolish. Because before I open up this supernatural thing that I don't have the mind to understand it with, I need to do exactly what he says here and go to him and say, Lord, thank you for your word. You know, but please, as David's saying, open down mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. My, my spiritual eyes, not my physical eyes. My, spiritual eye, my physical eyes are shot, okay? They're not what they once were. Uh, that's why you see me. Why are you taking your glasses off, you know? Well, because I'm nearsighted. You guys you have heard me talk about it. So if I have my glasses on, I can't read any of this. But I can't read any of that or see your faces other than blurs with them off. So that's the problem. But spiritual eyes, Lord, put some eye salve on there, please. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things. That's how we approach it. Father, please help me not to make the grievous mistake of trying to interpret your word and rather listen to you your Holy Spirit, who you, and we'll see this in a moment, promise to lead and guide me in it. Now, I know, Lord, that you're doing that. Help me to follow as you lead. Now, if you're, if you're not approaching the Word of God like that, then I'm not sure what we're doing, <laughs> okay? Because now we're trying to understand spiritual without spiritual help, and that just doesn't work. You and I have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us. So that'll work if we go to him, okay? A lost person, quite frankly, a lost person cannot understand the word of God except for their need of salvation, except for the gospel, except for the, their, their sin because they're not equipped. They don't have the Holy Spirit of God in there. But the Holy Spirit of God is wooing them all the time, trying to reach them so that then when when they see what he's been trying to tell them, boom, that's a, then they can understand if they choose to, okay? Once that's happened and, and we got saved, why would you stop doing that? <laughs> hey, the Holy Spirit of God showed me that. But now I'm, I'm, I'm just going to, hey, thanks for saving me and, and thanks for, uh, you know, coming inside of me and living in here. But I got it from here, okay? You gave it to me. I, I, I got it. I got it, man. We got this, right? Okay, here we go. That's man's thinking, man, and it does not work ever, okay? Because what happens then is all the garbage that we hear. And let's face it, in Christianity, man, there's more garbage out there than you can shake a stick at, all right? It's a problem. Okay, go over to uh, John chapter 14 to get started, and we're going to look at about four verses or so in here, the Gospel of John. And uh, we're not going to go into the four Gospels, but John is unique from the other three. Um, for a lot of different reasons, but it gives you a completely different look than the others do, and it's very personal, very, very personal. Uh, John chapter 14, looking at verse uh, 26, 
John 14, 26. He says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Now, what is there to interpret in that verse so far, right? The comforter. Who's the comforter? Remember what I told you? Before you ask what it means, what do you do? Read what it says, right? So, but the comforter. Well, the comforter, who's right? Keep reading. Which is the Holy Ghost. Oh, now, I'll be honest, most of your Bible will be that straightforward with you. And we'll tell you, and we'll see some more examples of that uh, as we go into some of these um, next points also. Um, whom the Father will send in my name, okay? He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your, to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you, okay? Now, this is, all, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and he's letting them know. Because remember, his disciples aren't saved like you and I. These, these guys met him, and, and he's leading them, but he's talking to them as their Jewish Messiah, okay? Holy Spirit hasn't come yet, right? That comes later. And we've talked about that a little bit in some of our other points. So here they are. He's telling them, hey, the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit of God, okay, it's going to tell you all the time. The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Uh, go over to chapter 16. Chapter 16, and look at verse 13. John 16, 13. How be it when he, the Spirit of truth. See, punctuation is important, okay? How be it when he, comma, the Spirit of truth. Well, what are they talking about? Go back up to verse 7 in John 16. He says, uh, or verse 6, actually, uh, verse 5. <laughs> We're not going back to 1. Okay, verse 5. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me, whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. He's talking about the fact he's going to die. He's going to go to the cross. Verse uh, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. We hit on that in a moment, too. I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now, back down to verse 13. All right? Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, that's back up to verse 17, or, or 7, I'm sorry, verse 7, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. See, the Holy Spirit of God is always obedient to God because he is God. He's always obedient, just like Christ was obedient to the Father because he's God, all right? So he's very discreet. If, again, before you ask what it means, read what it says. And remember we talked about getting context, getting those things. You've got to read more than one verse. Go back and say, oh, Wait, okay, he was talking about the comforter, and now the spirit of truth. Oh, the spirit of truth is the comforter of the Holy Ghost. Oh, was that hard? No, that, that's just what the Holy Spirit, uh, in the confirmed in the Word of God, told us. I didn't have to interpret anything. See, the, the problem is we want to interpret things, because if I interpret them, and this is what you hear from great scholars of God, is their interpretation of, because they're so godly and they have whatever, 
okay? Robes, years, stink bombs, I don't know what. But they, they're so great because their interpretation is. It's not about interpretation. It's about what he says right there in verse 13. The spirit of what? Truth. What did he say earlier? Uh, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth there in verse 7. It's about truth. And when you hear the truth, it demands of you to make a decision. To believe that truth or not believe that truth. And that leads to another one. If you don't believe that truth, then there's all these other bad things. If you do believe that truth, then are you going to act on it? Or are you just going to, you remember the library I talked about that we all like to build? The library of my knowledge. Come into my library and just see how smart I am. Or am I going to take that knowledge and actually put it into practice so then you don't have to come to my library, my life, conversation of my life, speaks those things before I even open my mouth, which is usually best because when I open my mouth, it's usually not as good, okay? The conversation of my life speaks something because I chose to accept the truth and apply the truth. There's a lot of us that have accepted the truth, but we don't apply the truth. We just know it and we can repeat it and we can teach it and we can do all those things. But, you know, hey, that's for you to do, Rex. Not me. I'm the one up here behind the pulpit, dude, okay? You do it. Now, we don't say that, but that's how people operate, isn't it? And we've all seen it. So let's not pretend that happened. We know it does. I don't want to be that person. You don't want to be that person. So, again, it's, it's about what is the truth. The Holy Spirit of God has already told me he'll, he'll lead and guide me in the truth. Well, how do you know the truth? Come over another page probably in your Bible to John 17. We're going to see this again here in just a moment. Another principle, John 17, look at verse 17. Christian, if you don't know this verse by heart, you need to know it. You need to learn it. You need to live it. Okay? He says, and this is just one verse out of an entire passage that is so packed and so relevant for you and me every day. Go home and study this chapter. Verse 17. He says, sanctify, sanctify. Anybody know what that means? Say it again louder. One more. I'm, it's just, okay, make holy or set apart uh, to be pure, to, to make pure, to set apart, sanctify, okay? So sanctify them through thy truth. Okay, Lord, what's truth? Oh, wait, I'm supposed to, before I try to figure out what it means, read what it says. Thy word is truth. Oh. So if, if you've ever been one of these people, and again, not to go back to my our 60s too much, but it's, it's a thing. I'm just a seeker. Of, I used to live in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And they always talked about that as being, you know, as a full of bunch of truth seekers. Everybody's up there looking for truth. I'm going to tell you something. There are no truth seekers, hardly. There's a few in Santa Fe. There are excuse seekers. You can go to the square on Santa Fe. It's where the Santa Fe Trail right over here ends. And you can, if you talk to, I don't know, if you just get up and start and make up a belief, I guarantee you, you'll have a few people come up. Hey, that's really good. That's what I believe too. I guarantee you. 
I, I saw it. I mean, it's, it's, we also call it the city belligerent, but it's a whole other thing because they call it the city different. Yeah, well, that's a joke too. The key here, my whole point I'm getting off of is it's about truth. Interpretation is not about me interpreting or you interpreting or Dr. So-and-so interpreting or Pastor So-and-so interpreting. That's what, and that's probably why you're in this church because we have a pastor and a pastoral staff and a leadership who is not trying to tell you their interpretation of things, they are giving you the truth. Because we all need the truth. See, if I'm interpreting it, that means I'm up here and you're down there, right? It's a great relationship. I give you and you give back to me whatever I tell you and however much I tell you. I'm going to say it different, but that's what it's going to be, you know. Kind of like, a, you know, a dog, if you speak stern, real stern to them, they're like, oh, right. But you could be going, oh, you little dumb dog, come here. You're just, you're just so stupid. That dog come right on up, right? That's how we are. Truth. That's what interpretation is about. The truth is, I'm not qualified. You're not qualified because if you're not God... You didn't write it. I didn't write it. Pretty much end of story. Last point here on this. Uh, go over to John 21. Last chapter, last verse. God has provided everything we need to know about what he wants us to know. Okay? Uh, look at this verse. This is an amazing verse. He says, And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which... If they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. God, the Holy Spirit of God has given us in this Bible everything we need to know. Everything we need to know. Say, well, how do you know that? Because it's his mind. And he just told me, he, he gave me everything, you know, could write a whole bunch more, but here's what you need to know. Everything in this Bible will tell you everything you need to know. You say, oh, so he's keeping secrets. He does keep some secrets and, and some mysteries. You know what he says about them? He says that you should be going to try to figure it, find out what they are. But he doesn't just lay those out on, on, the, on the table to just come and grab. That's like, you gotta, you got to do some digging. You have to actually see the truth of what he told Timothy, study to show thyself approved. If you're not going to study, he still loves you. You're still going to heaven. But guess what? You're not going to get what the ones that study get. Right? And before you say, well, that's not fair. Really? How many of you have kids? Raise your hands. Let me see. Okay. Most of you. How many of you were kids? Okay. I, I'm just checking because my mom always says, I don't think you were a kid. I, I think we just grew up together. <laughs> Okay. Do kids need to know everything that you know? Thank God, no. Right? There's a whole lot I don't want them to know, ever know about me. But there are some things they just don't need to know that they do need to know at some time. But if they're not willing to do the things that I've given them to do, then they're not going to get to enjoy all the privileges, all the things that I have planned for them, all the things that I want to give them all the things I want them to be a part of 
because real things have to be earned, right? If they're not earned, then they're worthless. And that's just the truth. Okay, next, next principle. Next principle is understanding biblical authority. This is about the principle of never, ever making the Bible align with what you want it to say or what you think about it, okay? This goes right with what we've just been talking about in terms of interpretation, right? And think about this. How many times have you gone and you think, man, I think this. Your heart's good. You know, I'm not, nothing wicked or evil going on. So you go, let me, let me see if I can find. So you go through your concordance or on your computer or whatever, and you're, you're looking for it. You're like, oh, no, not that one. Not, oh, yeah, that right there. That works. Okay, that, that works for what I want. Well, what about those other ones that, that didn't work for you? That, that, that ought to be a red flag to you. Wait a minute. Maybe what I'm thinking about this isn't the way it is. We tend to do that. As pastors, teachers, leaders, we all do that sometimes, right? And we need to stop. Got to find out, hey, what, what does God say? What does God think about this? Look at uh, Luke 21.33. Luke 21.33 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Okay, so everything, and we know in our Bible, you know, everything's going to be gone at, one, at, at some point in the whole heavens and, and earth are going to be burnt out and, and purged and there's going to be a new heaven, new earth. Guess what doesn't? This pure thing that's already gone through the fire. Psalms 12, verse 6 and 7. It's already been through the fire. Okay? This is pure. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in the furnace of earth, right? Everything else can pass away. This doesn't have to because it is the truth. Okay, Romans chapter 3 and verse 4, Paul says this. Really, the Holy Spirit of God uses Paul as the pencil to say this. He says, God forbid, yea, let God be true. You've heard this, right? Let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Hmm. See, that's one of those verses we know, but yeah. See, if I say God be true and every man a liar, then that means I'm a liar. <laughs> okay, well, let's go to the next verse. <laughs> that might sound a little better. Don't pick and choose, man. This, this, this is how you know, it's how I know, that I really love him. Because if you love me, what's he say? Say it loud. Keep my commandments. That's right. Keep my commandments. And so when I look at something and I'm reading my Bible, okay, every day, right, hopefully, reading my Bible every day because I value my spiritual food more than my physical food. So I'm reading it and I, and I see something, I'm like, hmm, I don't know about that. Oh, but there's that interpretation thing. Ooh, I don't know how much I like that. Hey, guess what? Man, this is how I know where I'm at with him. If that verse kind of is uncomfortable, well, then, you know, I need to camp out there. You need to camp out there. Because that's where you, that's, you know, what, what's the old saying? The squeaky wheel gets the what? <laughs> gets the grease, right? 
because it's, it's not working quite right. I need to go sit down here. Why? Because I'm a liar at heart. I, this is a true story. All of my best friends uh, since I've been saved have been extremely honest men. Uh, Bruce Metter, I know you know, one of the most honest men I know, to a fault, to where people, he's, he's abrasive sometimes. God love you, brother. But he isn't honest. He's one of the most honest people I know. My best friend that uh, passed away, he was in uh, law enforcement, gave his life in the line and, and about 20 years ago. He would call me on my lies or my, not lies, my, my stretching of the truth, you know, also known as lies, but. He was from the South. and go, my son, I, I, I think you better start again. <laughs> You're right. I got a couple of friends. And you know what I love? They are honest. They are more honest than I am. I will tell you that. They're extremely honest people. The hardest person for us to be honest with, ourselves. I mean, a lot of us, especially at some of our ages, are pretty good judges of character and everything. But we don't turn that lens on ourselves sometimes when, we, when we're reading and we see something. And I'm like, yeah, well, I kind of see it like this. I mean, yeah, there's that. But, you know, I, I think really it's, yeah, my thinking is the problem. You need to stop that. I'm a liar here and here. Even when I'm telling the truth. What, what is it? What's that movie, True Lies? <laughs> see, that's what I want to believe. <laughs> Because then I can just go ahead with my lie, right? You can, by the way. You can go ahead with your lie. You can go on, you know, willingly ignorant. You can do that. But it costs you more to do it that way than it does if you just deal with the truth. We don't like to deal with the truth because we think, oh, man, that's heavy. That, that's going to cost me, you know, some real work or some change. It's a lot cheaper than putting it off. I promise you, way cheaper than putting it off. Hebrews 6, 13 says this, For when God made promises to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. That's amazing to me. I love that verse. It's like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Because I'm always like, I mean, don't you? Say, I swear, I swear. I just said a second ago, right? I promise you, right? That's nice, but that's, I don't know if I can trust you. <laughs> There's a lot of people I love, but I don't always trust, depending on what it is, you know. But with him, there is no greater swear. Right? There is nothing else that is pure and perfect. No one else is what I should say. I, I don't want to say nothing. It's all him. So here's, here's the, this is the principle that I've used and, and has kept me on the straight and narrow, so to speak. Has kept me um, and my heart headed in the right direction, even when everything else is not just off in a ditch, man. It is down in flames. And that is this. Look at it, point A. You and I have to be willing to change anything that you have been taught, that you have believed that you maybe have taught, I have taught, anything about teaching, attitudes, actions, they all 
wherever they're, they are contrary to the word of God, they need to be changed. They need to be shucked right out. I learned that as a young Christian, and I'm telling you, it has saved my bacon a lot of times. Probably a lot more I want to admit. You have to be willing to say, okay, when it comes to this whole thing, oh, yeah, I believe the Bible is the final authority and everything, but to the point you'll actually conform to it, apply it. Because if not, then it's just words. But they're saying words without actions are lies. If action doesn't prove it, then what it has shown is that what you said is a lie. What I have said is a lie. Not, not the way to do things. I have got to be willing, we have got to be willing to change our thoughts, our teachings, our attitudes, our actions, wherever they are contrary to this book what he thinks, what he says. Uh, that's the measuring stick, the standard, right? I tend to think that's one of the reasons his, his, one of his names is the branch, because they always use a branch to measure things. And if I have a true standard, it's not the only reason for that. There's a bigger, greater reason, but it's one of those things in the back of my head is always like, it's interesting that a, the branch, hmm, cool. Go to Isaiah 55, verses 8 to 9, or read it on the screen. He says this, point B, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. I'm sure you've read or heard this. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Verse 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. No matter how great my thoughts could be. I mean, have you ever heard somebody referred to as, oh, they're a really great thinker. I'm, I'm, I'm right away a little suspicious of that person because I'm like that anyway. Because if he's a great thinker and he's not using the Bible, he's in a great mess. Plain and simple. That, that, that's exactly it right there, right? I think, therefore, I am. That, that is exactly where that comes from, that type of thing. We don't need great thinkers. We need great doers. Doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. Now, if you're saved, then we have no excuse. The lost doing that, of course that's what they do. Don't be upset about it. Pray for them. Live right so that they might ask you, hey, that guy's not a great thinker. But, Tom, how come you got it figured out? I had a pastor who used to say, you know, I'm just dumb enough to believe the word of God and do it. Amen. Amen. The key here is measure everything, every experience, every thought by the Word of God. Amen. All right. Let's look at the last one real quick. I know we're over a little bit here, but I want to get through three at least tonight real quick. This next principle is the principle of understanding biblical truth. And here's the principle. Always give the Bible the benefit of the doubt. How many of you know somebody that they say something and you're like, no, I don't know if that's true, but you think to yourself, okay, but I trust them and I know them, so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt for right now. Does everybody know somebody like that in your life? Pretty much, right? At least one. Why is it we don't do that with God? 
Oh, of course, Mark, I do. Really? Because there's a whole t- a lot of times when you and I are reading through the Word of God and there's something we don't quite understand or there's something we do understand. We're like, hmm, I probably need to work at that sometime, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on some other things first. I'm not sure I, I, I'm not sure that's quite right. There's something odd about that. Really? <laughs> I don't quite understand that. Well, you know what? I don't have to understand everything. And again, let's go back to kids. When your kids were very small, did they have to understand everything you were telling them to do, to do it? No. In fact, I'm still like that today. You can put a manual in front of me, and I can read through it. I don't necessarily know any more than I did before I started, maybe less. But once I go out and start doing it and make the mistake, or like I always like to say, you know, until the hammer hits the thumb, understanding blossoms the minute that hammer hits the thumb, right? Oh, Lord, bless me, please. I get it now. I get it. That's why I'm not supposed to do it like that. Give him the benefit of the doubt. He is deserving of it, right? We know that, right? But do we operate like that? Do we practice that? Do we actually apply that? Or as Romans 8 says, is there a performance out of that which we have, our knowledge? Okay, I've got this knowledge. We've done this. Okay, now let there be a performance out of that which you have. Mark, okay, I know you know it. Are you going to do it, perform it? I'm a little nervous about getting on the stage tonight, Lord. I mean, you know, get out there, you know. Anybody here ever jumped out of a plane? Am I the only one? Okay. For most people, you know that shoot works. You know everything. You've gone over it. You've practiced the nomenclature. You've done everything you got to do. You've jumped off the tower, about busted your ankle a billion times. You've... You've done everything. That's most. Now I'm one of the weird ones. I'm like, let's go, man. (laughs) What if you die? Well, then I'm going to die having a great time. (laughs) Okay. Of course, the one thing you always have to remember in me, the Marine Corps, but in the military is, okay, this was made by the lowest bidder. Mm. That's always the caveat, you know, that has you going, ugh. Why everybody checks everybody. Anyway, the benefit of the doubt belongs to God in your life. I, I don't know if I can do that. I don't, I don't really understand that. Oh, let's get real for a second. Whew, man, my budget, man, and you know, COVID and lack of job. I don't know if I can still give anything. I know I'm supposed to, but... Hmm. You know what? I think I'll do this for now. Okay. And I'm not saying tie. I'm just saying, if you, Lord, I'm not sure, but I'm going to do this because you said to to give. So I'm going to at least do this much. I don't care if it's a dime, a quarter, twenty-five. I'm going to do it and be consistent, right? Not as not as noisy in here all of a sudden. See, when you talk about money, it always gets real, doesn't it? But you know what I found? And this is just an example. When I give, no matter what, somehow 
everything gets taken care of even though there's less money. But when I have more money and I don't give, it doesn't last as long with the same. How does that make sense? Don't worry about it. It doesn't make sense. Again, it's a matter of truth. Am I going to apply it or am I not going to apply it? I'll get off of that. Okay, we already looked at John 17, 17, right? And again, if you don't know that already, memorize it. And I mean, like right now. Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Uh, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Apologize. John 17, 17. But look at 1 John 2, 27. Or follow along here. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you, colon, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth, okay, anointing the Holy Spirit of God, that is truth and is no lie. Again, it, you could try to interpret it here, but it's a lot easier if you just read it, right? <laughs> it's truth and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Amen, just abide in him. I don't understand that, though. That's okay. You know, there's a lot of things. What's the old saying? Some things are caught, not taught. The reality is you are learning. For you and I as Christians, that's the Holy Spirit of God teaching us. If I'll just trust and obey, I know we don't like to sing the old songs anymore, but still, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. You know what that is? You know what, what that song, that's an old hymn? You know what I just described for you in that song? Faith. That's what faith is. Believing God to the point you'll actually obey him. Well, I, when I understand it, I'll obey. Or, or, there's nothing about understanding. Just obey. Until you obey, you're not going to understand completely. Even if you understand the mechanics of it, so to speak. You won't have true understanding until you actually apply it, until you trust and obey. Okay, um, I can't see what's out there, but okay, here we go. You know, in the military, they make us do stuff like that all the time on purpose because they want you to learn to trust each other and to trust what they're teaching and just do it. Now, if I'll do that for Uncle Sam, I, I better be doing it for the Lord. Well, that's why I didn't go in the military. I got news for you. If you're saved, you are in a military. It's called God's Army. You're conscripted. I didn't sign up for that. Yes, you did. You got saved. He's the captain of your salvation. You think he uses that word by mistake, captain? Oh, let me get another version because I don't like that. Oh, well, guess what? Too bad. Now, again, if we'll do it for those who are just like us, sinners, who need a Savior, why not do it for God, our Savior? Amen? That's the benefit. This is the cool thing about it. If you give God the benefit of the doubt, you are the one who gets the benefit. That's a dying truth, right? Or a living truth. Let's put it that way. And here's the key to this whole thing. Remember Genesis 3? The devil comes up. He comes to the woman. 
He gets her involved in a conversation she should have never got involved in. And you see those five ways of deception, those five ways that he always operates. He questions, he questions, he, he misquotes, she misquotes, all these kind of, he does all these things. That's the way he works. Guess what? That's the way your flesh works. Because he's our father. He was our father. If you're saved, he's not anymore. But that flesh ain't saved. Right? Remember that cross to bear daily? The flesh? Since Genesis 3, it's been the devil's desire to make us doubt the credibility of God. That's what he did with Eve. He, he got her to doubt what God said. Because he went over. You, you remember I did the little skit, you know. Oh, but, but we can't. We, we can't eat of this tree. We can't even touch it. Oh, really? What happens if I touch Oh, nothing happened. What do you mean touch it? Man, this thing, oh, man, you should. Here, let me squeeze out a drink for you. This, this thing's great. And it's been like that ever since, right? Getting her to doubt. Getting you and I to doubt. And I'm not going to get into this, but that's why you've got, I think it's up to 230 some odd, brother, maybe 230 odd different versions now of the Bible. Because if you don't have just one that you can count on, well, then you can't count on it. Well, but I like this. This part over here is really good. Maybe it is, too. I don't know. I know one thing, though. If you, if you don't have the whole, you have something incomplete, which means it cannot complete you. It cannot do what it's intended. That's all I'll say there. Point B, if you can't trust Scripture, you cannot be saved. Right? Ephesians. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. We'll close up here with these last two. Ephesians chapter 2. And again, how many of you have been through discipleship? Raise your hands. Let me see it. All right. So when I say Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, how many of you can quote that? Is a gift of God. Amen. Okay. Because if you've been through discipleship, I know you had this as a memory verse. So you should know it. You should be able to say it. All right. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, uh, he's, he's very clear here. Uh, and, and again, if you don't have a Bible that you can trust, if, if, you don't, if you're doubting the Bible, how could you get saved? It's impossible. 2, 8 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, uh, not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay? It's a gift of God, man. Saved by grace. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. If you don't hear the word of God, how are you going to get saved? You can't. If you get something, if you hear the word of God, but there's a question mark about that. You know that's what's happening in the world today. In our country in particular, as opposed to when a lot of us grew up 50, 60, 70 years ago, where, and, and I truly believe this, I'm not, this isn't doctrine, Pastor, but I truly believe this. When I was a kid, a lost person understood more Bible than most Christians do today. Because our society and our culture was so immersed in it. A recent president, who I don't agree with on very much, made the claim that 
America is not a Christian nation. It's the only thing that I can really agree with him on now. When I, before I got saved, I thought I was a Christian because I was an American. And I, as an American, we're the Christian nation. We're the Christian people. I'm a Christian because I believe in God and I believe in Jesus. And, and I thought that made me a Christian. Not that I was trying to live like one, but, but I believed, sincerely believed that that made me a Christian. How many people you think feel like that now? I don't think you could find anybody born in the last 40 years that, that would come to that kind of a conclusion because they don't trust, they have doubt about the Bible, whichever version is in front of them. They have doubt about God because of that. And they have doubt more than anything, Christian, because Christians aren't living obedient to the Word of God. They know things about it, but they have no knowledge. And I put it like this. They have knowledge, but they do not know him. There's knowledge that you know. We've talked about this. And then there's intimacy, which is knowing someone at an intimate level. And because they don't know him, they don't understand him. Therefore, Christians don't have understanding. And wait a minute. Doesn't the Bible say... In Proverbs, with all that, get in, get wisdom, get knowledge, get understanding. If you don't do these, just these three principles here, then that's impossible. And that's why I believe most Christians have no real knowledge, knowing him. They have knowledge about him, but they don't know him. And because of that, they have no understanding. Because of that, they have no wisdom. I have some dear friends that have a lot of knowledge and good people. I mean, I love them to death, but they are not wise. And you and I need to be wise if we're going to be obedient, because he said, with all I get in, get knowledge, get wisdom, get understanding. Say, so, oh, well, that's not for me. Oh, really? Because it's directly to you, okay, and me. So let's work on that every day. Amen? Amen. All right, guys, I love you. I didn't mean to offend anybody, but I'm going to speak the truth. And if you have questions or you want to punch me out, come see me later, okay? All right, let's pray. Father, we praise and thank you.